see you. Um, Stephen, that was very well timed. I just got my Fox's Glacier fruit finished there. I was sort of, um, no, keep, keep going. Um, folks, we are completing today a four-part mini-series where we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruit of the Spirit, and we've looked at four of them. So if you've got a problem with that, Speak to Sam, all right? Um, there, there are four of the, the fruit of the Spirit that we've had a look at. We're going to have a look at, uh, I, I was with us, uh, with you at the start of the series, and we looked at love together. Today we're going to look at self-control, the, the last of these fruit of the Spirit. So you've got the, the handout there. You've got the, the Bible passage. What I want to try and do today is a couple of things. Uh, certainly look at self-control for a few of, of the minutes that we have, but then also try to wrap up uh, the, the mini-series, the, just think, uh, step back a wee bit again and say, well, one last think about this fruit of the Spirit in a, in a more global sense. So the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the, this last one on the list, self-control, I think is a little bit different than the others. And, and I see that in at least two regards. First of all, it's probably not a, a positive virtue in its own regard the same way that most of the others are. So we might say, you know, I, uh, I'd love to have more love in my life. I'd love to cultivate a, a sense of joy. Uh, self-control feels a little bit different than that. Uh, it's maybe not so much a positive quality as it is a, a way to rein in. Uh, rather than a positive virtue, it's a way of keeping in check our vices. Okay, so, so that's maybe the first thing to point out. Um, so those vices that Paul lists in uh, verse 19, self-control would help us to, to rein those in. The second way in which self-control is different than the other fruit of the Spirit is related to what I've just said. Uh, and that is that we don't have a matching quality in God. So the other eight fruit of the Spirit would say, oh yeah. I can see those or see how those might be evident in the person of God. God doesn't have self-control. He doesn't need self-control. He's not troubled by the vices uh, that we are, and he doesn't therefore need this capacity to rein those in. So those are a couple of just getting us warmed up ways to think about this uh, self-control and how it's a little bit different than the other uh, fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to take a few moments to think about uh, self-control uh, and I'm going to do it using the three questions that I'd uh, put on the handout there. Why is it important? Where do we need it? And who needs to be cultivating self-control? First question, why is it important? The answer surely is that when it comes to cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, seeing the, the Spirit work in our lives, we don't get the chance to do that in a vacuum. You and I are not morally neutral. We don't get to decide when we wake up in the morning, I'm going to be a good person today, and then discover that that just works. Well, at least I don't. Maybe that, that works for you. Maybe you did that this morning. You woke up this morning and you said, today it's going to be one of those days where I, I don't do a thing wrong. I'm not going to do a thing wrong. I'm not going to have a bad thought. I'm just going to be good today. And then that works for you. It doesn't work for me. I've never had one of those days. I'm, I'm not morally neutral. I, um, I would describe myself more as a, a sinful sinner who sins. 
that's kind of closer to, to where I find myself. So as well as cultivating positive <coughs> virtue, which we are invited to do and, and expect the spirit to grow those in our lives, there is a counter activity that we need to be involved in and that is curbing or reining in our vices. I came across a, a car advert when I was uh, preparing to, to speak to you about this. I can't remember the brand. Funny, I was looking at this this morning. I can't remember. Somebody could maybe shout it out. So it's a, it's a fist coming out at you, big black fist. And if you look closely, like the fist takes up pretty much the whole image. Fist coming out at you and the four knuckles facing you, they morph at the bottom into to tires with tread and, and know they're making contact with the road. So this big image of a coming at you and the caption below says simply, power is nothing without control. So good, good slogan for advertising tires, I guess. No matter how powerful your car is, you've got to have the control of keeping it firmly on the road. Why self-control important? Because even if uh, many good qualities are being cultivated in us, even if we have abilities and some godly virtue being cultivated in us, it, it can be undermined in an instant in the life of a person who lacks self-control. Power is nothing, or power is, is certainly much less without control. So the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and, and we, we all need it. Where do we need to see self-control? That's our second question. Notice quickly a few things that Paul says um, on this subject of self-control. Uh, probably the best way to, to have in mind, where does Paul think we need self-control? Well, let's look at that list of vices that he lists in uh, verse 19. He finishes, starts with sexual immorality and he finishes with orgies. If we had time to, to think about it uh, a little bit more deeply, we'd, we'd be able to explore some of the, the biblical material on the importance of controlling our sexual desires. Uh, so at the moment I'm preaching in Kirkpatrick on the life of Joseph. So we've got the Potiphar's wife story. Joseph stands in that moment as a guy who is able to demonstrate very considerable self-control. Um, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't need to look too far in Scripture to find some other big headline. So, so David, for example, David's problems with Bathsheba. And those, those problems are because of an inability to exercise self-control in the, the area of sexual desire. So... Those stories, when you, when you read them and when you look at the, the outcomes of them, we're reminded of just the, the absolute importance of exercising self-control uh, with our, our sexuality. Uh, you know, folks, you're here. You're going to go back to your workplace. Um, we're living in the era of hashtag Me Too, you know, the Me Too movement where women the world over have been standing up and telling stories of how they've uh, experienced sexual harassment and, and worse at the hands of maybe powerful men. 
I'll be honest, although I'm not comfortable with every expression of that, I'm glad that I live in a time where we've agreed as a culture that that's not okay. But, but I want more than that. I, I want, uh, wherever I am, either a colleague or a boss to anybody, that a person feels entirely safe around me in this regard. That would be a very, uh, very much a, a demonstration, I think, of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and of the self-control that he would cultivate in us. So a person uh, who's cultivating this fruit of the Spirit will, will learn to appropriately channel their, their sexual desires. Paul's teachings about self-control here, I, I don't think, are limited to sex. So his list of, of acts of the sinful nature, verse 19, it's, it's pretty broad. You know, it, it's, there's a whole lot of life in under there. I thought it might be worth just for a couple of minutes to look at that list. And I'm not going to elaborate on any of them, but, but let's just hear them and allow the Holy Spirit to run a, a wee diagnostic over our, our hearts just as we find ourselves today. So, am I in control of my temper or am I given to fits of rage? It, it's not becoming of a mature Christian to be a, a person who throws the toys out of the pram when things don't work out the way we'd like them to. And what about my appetite? Is that under control? Good food and drink are a blessing from God, but drunkenness and gluttony don't honour him. Am I in control of my attitude to others? I think this is a big one for the workplace. Can I celebrate other people's success? Or am I given to, there's a lot of these words here, jealousy, envy, selfish ambition. That's hard, isn't it? Like ambition, promotion, success is kind of the currency of a lot of our workplaces. And how do we get on when it's not really working out for us the way we would like and it's working out better for the guy at the desk next to us? An opportunity to demonstrate self-control. Am I in control of my time or do I waste large amounts of time through laziness and lack of self-discipline? And here's a, another one that I remember well from, from sharing a corporate workspace. Um, am I in control of my tongue and my words? Or do my words lead to discord, dissensions and factions? So those conversations in the office, am I, a, am I a person whose words draw people back together? Or do they subtly undermine the team? Where do we need self-control? Well, uh, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are pretty broad ranging, um, even in this few moments. All areas of life. So very quickly, a third question on self-control. Who needs it? Um, I think I recognize a dynamic around self-control where older people would talk about the, how younger people need to learn self-control, the passions of youth. You know, <coughs> younger people need to be taught self-control. And I'm sure there's an element of truth in that. Paul, I think, is wise enough to know that this is an issue for people of all ages. He doesn't spell it out here in Galatians, but in another of his, his letters, in his letter to Titus, 
his ministry apprentice, he says in chapter 2 of that letter that Titus is to teach younger men and women to be self-controlled, but also older men and older women. And I find that quite telling, quite interesting. And actually, when I observe the lives of older people, I think the, the temptations and the passions are possibly different. I think that, that's fair to say. It's not, not quite the same. But it seems to me that there are still still areas where a person might want to be thoughtful uh, um, and in control of, of how they use their, their time and their energies and so on. So folks, it seems to me whatever age we are here, um, there's not a one of us in this room who is in a season in our lives where we couldn't be and, and shouldn't be praying for more of the Spirit and this fruit of self-control. I've pretty much finished what I want to say about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, but I thought it'd be worth spending a few minutes just to wrap up the, the series. I took a few minutes at the start of the first talk to introduce it and, and maybe just now to, to wrap it up. The NIV heading, um, if, if you had uh, the Bible with, you know those headings that the NIV makes up, they're not part of the text. Somebody somewhere decides what's a good heading for that section. I think the section in this case isn't bad. It it's simply says life by the Spirit over these verses that we have here. And in the opening verse, verse 16, Paul urges the Galatians to live by the Spirit. Verse 21, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about that. So, Whenever Paul says we live by the Spirit, I'm just, just reminding us that the new life that we have in Jesus Christ is something that we're born. It's, it's something very, very new. Uh, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he said, a person needs to be born of the Spirit. So whenever we come to saving faith in Jesus, a new life's born and the Spirit is, is born into us. Our, our bodies, Paul says, it's a beautiful metaphor. He says they're a temple. And, and what Paul's talking about is a culture where everybody knew that when you built a temple in a city, the presence of the God, whoever the God is, would come and inhabit the temple. That's what we're about. So my, my life is to be as a vehicle for the, the Holy Spirit in the world, a temple of the Holy Spirit wherever Jesus puts me. So Paul says, yeah, your life in, in Jesus begins like that. You are... Uh, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, but he uses this really interesting phrase, let's keep in step with the Spirit. It's a really interesting metaphor, actually. It's not, it's not the normal word for like walking along. It's, it's closer to a, a military <coughs> metaphor for like marching or something. So um, if you picture for a moment a, a well-drilled BB company, is there, I don't know if there is such a thing, but uh, if you picture it anyway, or like the changing of the guard, some meticulous uh, military uh, group. The soldiers there, they listen to the voice of the commanding officer. And if you watch them carefully, there's no hesitation. No, uh, as soon as the command comes out without breaking stride, the command's obeyed. So 
the, the commanding officer shouts right turn and everyone in, in perfect unison turns right. This commanding officer's left turn sends the whole group turning left. Whenever the commanding officer shouts attention, that brings the whole group up immediately. And when he says stand at ease, the, the invitation to relax, everybody hears it. This is what Paul's talking about. This is how he wants us to be with the Holy Spirit. Instinctively directed by the Spirit without breaking stride. Listen to the music and the beat of the Spirit. Be in tune with God's Holy Spirit. Hear his voice and just do it. Be in step. As we've come to the end of this series, uh, um, I've been thinking with you guys about the, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, it's probably a natural response to, to measure ourselves a wee bit, to have a look at that list and go, well, how's it going? There they are, nine, nine ways I could be more like Jesus. How's it going for me? I, I don't know. I, I sometimes wonder, like, do I make any progress at all? You know? Am I becoming even the tiniest bit more like Jesus? How, how would this ever be possible? Well, well, it isn't possible, really, is it? We said that a while ago. We can't decide to be more like these, these nine uh, qualities that, that Paul lists here. This will be possible only as we live in the Spirit keep in step with him, allow him to do this work of a lifetime, this slow, transforming work. One thing that I've been dwelling on a bit the last couple of years, ever since the, the, the year when we celebrated the Reformation, is a, a, a Christian doctrine called union with Christ. The idea that our lives are more closely tied up with Jesus Christ than, than we possibly have, have recognized or understood. So I am, Paul says in some of his letters, I am in Christ. So my, my whole life's tied up in him somehow. But, but also, and we've talked about this today, Christ is in me. So I'm in him and he is in me. My identification with Christ is closer than ever I realize. And that's how we're going to live the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Archbishop William Temple, he had a, a great illustration of this. So he, he would say... Um, it's no good giving me a, a play like Hamlet or King Lear and saying, right, have a go at writing one of those. I can't do it. That's just not in me. And in the same way, it's, it's not any good to present me or you with the perfect beauty of Jesus Christ, his life, and say, right, go ahead and be like Jesus. We can't do it. It's not in us. It's not who we are. William Temple says, But what if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me? Then I could begin to write plays like the plays that he wrote. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we, we don't try to be like Jesus. We say, what if the spirit of Jesus could, could really be, be right in here? And change me slowly from the inside out. I could live a life like his. God's purpose, said William Temple, 
is to make us like Jesus and his way is to fill us with the Holy Spirit. The purpose, to make us like Jesus. The way is to fill us with Jesus' Holy Spirit. A couple of minutes to wrap this up. Everything we have talked about here can't happen unless Jesus Christ goes and dies on the cross. We haven't talked much about the cross, uh, certainly in the two, sun, uh, the two Sundays. Uh, that's a preacher in me. Uh, the two times I've been with you. But Paul does in his passage. Have a look. Verse 24. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Paul seems to be saying that Jesus isn't the only person who's died. He's talking about the death of, of other people as well. He seems to be suggesting that when Jesus died, we somehow died along with him. And the reason I think it's okay to, to read it that way, um, one of my favorite verses in all of Paul's teaching earlier in this letter, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus died for my sin, but I died too. I've died to my sin. It no longer has a stranglehold over me. I am dead to it. In Romans 7, uh, Paul talks about our death with Jesus and our new life with Jesus. He says, You died through the body of Christ that you might belong to him who was raised from the dead. Why? In order that we might bear fruit unto God. So that's Romans chapter 7, but he's talking about bearing fruit. And it, it can't happen without this dying of Jesus and ourselves. Do you see it now? Jesus died so that we might die to our sinful natures. We, we need to die to verse 19 and that kind of stuff. We need to die to it. And Jesus rose so that we might rise to an entirely new kind of a life, animated now by the Spirit, bearing fruit for God. Folks, Without the death of Jesus, this isn't possible. None of this is possible. But for those who, who receive the new life that Jesus gives in the Spirit, it's inevitable. I wondered if it was okay to say that. I think it is. I think if the Spirit of Jesus is in me and I'm in any way open to collaborate with him, he's going to change me. It might take as long as I've got, as long as the Lord gives me. But he's going to do it. Folks, let's keep in step with the Spirit and let's bear fruit unto God. Thank you uh, for listening. Mm -hmm.